Hey everyone, come hit us up, reddit.com slash r slash modern underscore guilt. That's where we're hanging out. We want to hear your shit posts. We want to see what you guys have to uh, recommend us. Movies, music, anything you want us to talk about. We're all ears and eyes. Beautiful. Good. Good. Yeah, <laughs> it is good to have something good happening. Um, Thing and sneezing to a minimum. If you try, I will also try. Nice. Uh, and then, you know, hopefully people on the other end can try and maintain their sanity for the duration. Yeah. Um, so, hello, everyone. Everyone, as in, what, maybe like 25, 30 people, but that counts. Um, That's like a classroom. That's yeah. a, a, <laughs> I don't know about you, man, but like oh, yeah. that's enough to make me nervous if I was doing a public speech. Uh, yeah, you're right, actually. I would also be somewhat nervous. Um, so, yeah, lucky it's just you and I and our devices um, yeah. just calling into the void. <laughs> um, anyway, in the ether. so, yeah, here we are. Another episode of Modern Guilt where we talk about uh, the way broken people influence the world and how a broken world influences people <laughs> yeah. um, and other things not quite so grim. We try and have a little little laugh as well. Uh, is this episode five or episode six? Um, well, it depends what count you're using. The real episodes. Oh, the, the ones that made it to air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to double check right now. It's episode five. All right, episode bet. five. That's As good. betting man. That's a uh, that's a V in Roman numerals. So yeah, we've made it past Ooh. the dashes or whatever you that's call good. them, the strokes. What do you call like one one Roman numeral mark? Oh, I wish I knew, man. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not that. I'm not educated enough to know that. I yeah. wish I did though. Like well, but I've only just really discovered my love of like the Roman Empire. Like fuck, it is so interesting. And it is something that I will surely learn at some point in time as I dive deeper into it. I've actually always wanted to read just like a four-book series of just like a history of the Roman Empire. You know what I mean? Just like the – just a fucking whole chunk, a block of knowledge and just like digest that and take like a year to read it but then just know everything about the Roman Empire. It's probably not even possible to do. Um, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know um, exactly what you mean. So we were both talking just before we started hitting record about we're both sick. We're both feeling pretty fucking miserable. Um, both down with the cold, different parts of the world, but man, that these colds are just, uh, circulating, yeah. circulating like, the, like a uh, motherfucker. The BZP flu. Yeah. Uh, which is if you're from Christchurch or you've been through here <laughs> or you've been to New Zealand you'll know that for a brief period of time, we legalized um, cattle dewormer as a way to get high uh, to keep you off those dangerous drugs like cannabis and MDMA. And it fucks your immune system. So there's a running theory that there's a local strain of some viral illness boosting around New Zealand every year from the damaged immune systems of hundreds of brain fried, uh, 
BZP users. Thousands. It was a big drug, eh? Fucking tens A, yeah. Thousands. Yeah, tens of thousands for sure. Maybe a hundred thousand. Every, everyone did BZP back in the day. Yeah, I would say hundreds of thousands of people have done BZ, BZP. Who do you um, reckon is the most famous New Zealander who cranked who has pills? done BZP? Well, you reckon Jacinda did? She yeah, I actually do think <laughs> Jacinda Ardern has done BZP. Um, cause I saw photos of her doing like some weird, like uncomfortable looking DJ set. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I feel as though she was also involved with, uh, okay. I've got, um, an article up from the spinoff.co.nz, which is, uh, the complete history of Jacinda Ardern's DJ career. Um, yeah. so yeah, so she, played at the 2014 laneway festival um are you fucking kidding me really i'm not kidding according to this article um yeah and so in this photo of her playing at laneway she looks maybe like she's in her late 20s yeah and meaning that like she would have been say let's estimate 18 in like 2004 uh so she would have been like 21 when BZP just like the wave came. So she definitely oh, did BZP. Dude, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And she's mellow enough that, yeah, she would. There's another pic yeah. of her DJing outside Real Groovy. Do those stores <laughs> still exist anymore? Those record stores? Um, they're mainly havens for like the broken and degenerate um, or the hipster that's like so out of touch that they're not even they're like beyond hipster mm. you know i don't yeah, know man. like a passe hipster who still thinks it's cool to fucking lurk around and like head on record mm. store uh cashiers or whatever <laughs> you know oh That's yeah who fucking goes to real groovy now a whole dating scene now it actually was man did you ever see that like early 90s movie empire records no my sister was obsessed with it, so I've seen it like a thousand fucking times. Um, and it's essentially just about like a bunch of schmucks that work in a record store and all date each other. But she did the same thing. I think she actually worked at a real groovy. And it's the there same scene. Yeah, it's just a bunch of like people who are into music but don't make any music. Um, but will just like endlessly wank on about their favorite artists. Yeah, just laughing, basically. Yeah, um, pretty much. Turning listening to music into their own art <laughs> yeah. or thinking that they are. Um, but they're probably not anyway. Um, although the people that write at Pitchfork will tell you differently. Yeah. Fuck. I haven't even read Pitchfork. Is Pitchfork a good publication? Uh, well, I really like it. Um, but it's kind of like a punchline. I think a lot yeah. of people were like, Oh my god, Pitchfork is so fucking pretentious and blah blah blah. Um, but I think if you can like read between the lines and kind of just like take the uh, pretentiousness in your stride, then Pitchfork is definitely worth reading. And that a lot of the time their reviews are really uh, punchy and and strong. Yeah. Um, but they just have this. I mean, obviously they use a lot of different writers. So when I say they, I shouldn't mean all of them, but a lot of their writing is super lofty with like a lot of just sort of uh, unnecessary prose and whatnot. 
I um, think reviewing music would be one of the hardest things to critique, though, because if you're not reviewing it as part of some sort of like external movement or external thing mm. to the actual music, like and why it's important and what it signifies, I would just struggle because then you're just getting into like super subjective opinion. Yeah, you know? yeah. See, that's why I respect Pitchfork because they do try and figure out what it means. In, yeah. in context, you know, um, but like, let me read you this paragraph that I have on the screen right now. This is from a review of the new Phoebe Bridges album Punisher, which I'm actually going to listen to. They gave it an 8.7 out of 10 and it's in the best new music category, which I think they only assign to albums which get over an 8.5. Yeah. So anyway, um, this is just from like the middle of the review. I haven't even read the whole thing. I just went here to like give you an example of Pitchfork. Uh, this impulse towards the candid, the multidimensional, has also come <laughs> to define the sound of Bridges' music. Self-produced with Tony Berg and Ethan Grusker, these songs are starkly drawn and colourfully embellished, produced in service of each individual story. Punisher's first single, Garden Song, is a marvel not only for how seamlessly its lyrics bind fantasies and nightmares, burning houses and blooming flowers, but also for how each element of its slyly psychedelic arrangement travels along with her words. The finger-picked riff is played on a guitar that seems to be dissolving. A low male voice comes in like a record playing at the wrong speed. A steady pulse seems to rise from somewhere deep in your headphones. So, like, it's pretty descriptive, and, like, I'm not saying that it's not relevant or accurate but i can just see how people hate it you know what i mean that kind of reminds me of reading one of those trashy um erotica novels <laughs> yeah 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 he yeah. caressed my flower and its scent was, <laughs> was fragrant or he whatever touched my sex yeah he moved his hand slowly up my thighs beads of sweat tripped down my nipples <laughs> yeah. i had to be some long ass nipples for beads of sweat to drip down them drip from them i could see but Anyway, um, so yeah, um, anyway, so <laughs> you want to hear a little anecdote from, um, my day yesterday? Yeah, man, go on. So I bought an iPhone and I feel like most people do these days before buying an iPhone. I went online and was like, I wonder what iPhones are available. And I figured out, okay, I'm going to get the new iPhone SE. Um, and I'm not going to describe what that is or why I chose that, but I made the decision. Anyway, and like I could have ordered it online, but I would have had to wait and blah, blah, blah. So I drove to the a fucking shopping center like Westfield or whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, because we're still in, you know, like semi-lockdown uh, mode in Brisbane, I like approached the Apple store. And this is at like, like the real, the most bleak time of the day for a shopping center like 1 40 p.m where it's just real <laughs> empty and there's like yeah like horrible soft radio music playing to nobody yeah. um and there's like um bollards and uh ropes outside of the apple store like for, to make people form a queue and i'm like oh fuck here we go and i suddenly remembered that apple are doing all this like hardcore covid safe stuff um and everyone's like wearing masks and shit and i'm like do i want to do this okay whatever (laughs) can't be too bad yeah so like i walk over and there's a chick 
like in front of where the line starts, right? And she's got like her tablet and stuff. She's like, hi there. How are you today? I'm like, yeah, good, whatever. She's like, um, what are you here to do today? And I'm like, well, firstly, like, fuck you. I want to just walk into your store. Like, don't yeah. ask me what I'm here to do. Like, maybe I'm profiling you. Oh, probably, man. I'm... <laughs> We're all being groomed, aren't we? Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, maybe I want to buy something. Maybe I don't. But it's not really up for you to know, right? Like, yeah. Um. Anyway, so I had to tell her though. I'm, like, I'm here to buy an iPhone. She's like, Oh, cool. Which one? I'm like, Get fucked. Um. <laughs> anyway, so like, I have yeah. to give her like my name and address and number and shit. And then she's like, oh, yeah, cool. Just That's like head over the top. I know. What's that for? Oh, it's for a contact tracing. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, Fair we enough. have three active cases in Queensland, which are like yeah. all contained. So I don't know, whatever. Yeah. She's like, great. Thanks. Head over to Mike here and he'll sort you out through the next stage. And I'm like, what is this? So I go over to this like greasy, like skinny rent-a-cop guy who's just like sweating <laughs> and wearing a mask. Yeah. And he like you know, it gives me the whole range of questions. Like, have you come into contact with anyone who's had COVID in the last 14 days? Have you traveled overseas? Have you had yeah. any flu symptoms or a fever? I'm like, no, Whoa, dude. I didn't realize they're so over the top. Yeah, but it's just Apple being fuckwits. And yeah. this guy hands me a mask and then tells me how to put it on my face. And I'm like, yeah, thanks, Mike. Like, yeah, I feel really like guided by you. And don't go <laughs> drinking any bleach. Ooh. Yeah, like this isn't demeaning whatsoever. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, yeah, thanks, mate. Just uh, get in the line there and maintain social distancing. Oh, like, oh, yeah. all right. Then I'm in the line. I'm not even in the fucking store yet, man, and I have to talk to a third person. I get to the door and he's like, yeah, so uh, what name was your appointment under? And I'm like, sorry, what? And he's like, have you made an appointment? And I'm like, no, I just... <laughs> came to the shop and he's like, yeah. oh, well, did you talk to Katie? And I'm like, who's Katie? He's like, oh, just over there at the front of the line. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah. He's like, oh, great. So what was the name you gave her? I'm like, well, I gave her my name. It's Hayden. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, yeah, great. So you have an appointment with Polo to buy an iPhone SE. And I'm like, no, I don't have a fucking appointment, dude. Like, you can call it an appointment if you want, but that's not what it is. I just came to a oh, shop to buy an iPhone. Shit. And he's like, yeah, so wait here and Paulo will be with you in a moment. And then Paulo oh. walks over like, and all the staff are wearing masks and like social dis distancing. And then he's like, hey, like, nice to meet you. I'm Paulo. I'm like, oh, we're not meeting, dude. You're going <laughs> to sell me an iPhone. This isn't meeting. And yeah. then he walks me over to the very product that I've said I already want to buy and starts selling it to me. Oh, so annoying. And giving, yeah. giving me a rundown on the specs and tells me that it comes in white, red, and black. And... I'm like, this is fucking awful. This is, ugh. Like, I've, last time I had my hand held that much while buying something, I was like fucking eight years old buying a Scribe CD and I was with my mum. <laughs> yeah, you know this contains offensive language. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So, anyway, <laughs> Apple fucked me off, man. Um, yeah. And it's like, how many masks are they handing out per day, man? It's just like wasteful bullshit, wasting people's time, wasting resources. I know. At a certain point, you got to think like, it's like it's gone a little bit overboard. Oh, absolutely. It's reactive. It's like motherfuckers aren't doing this for meningitis. You know what I mean? Yeah, straight and up. Or like, like influenza. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's just. It's just. A, chill out a bit. Bro. It's a fucking PR stunt. 
is all it is. And we're still sick, man. That's the thing that's bullshit about this. All this fucking social distancing, and I'm still getting, a, like, not any cold, but the fucking BZP flu. <laughs> it's because you, know you I mean? had a bear with Sam. <laughs> that's exactly why. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I had a beer in a decrepit bar. And I'm to to all the people who are curious what happened. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm suspecting that's where my illness came from. If you um spend too much time where people bet on uh bet on the dogs, then um <laughs> it's all over Red Rover. <laughs> yeah, that's actually what happened. That's definitely what happened. Yeah. Oh, serves me right. But anyway, I feel you, man. That fucking sucks. That entire thing sounds like uh have you seen the movie Brazil? No, no, I haven't. Okay, so First disclaimer, that will be the bulk of my questions because I've binged on so many movies yeah, in the cool. last few days. <laughs> no stress. <laughs> um, second, that entire movie is about like the, well, not entirely about, but a significant portion of it focuses on like bureaucracy and how bureaucratic society is becoming. Yeah, you, cool. you have all these like pointless meetings with like people just to do the most like, you know, like meaningless of tasks. And everything has, like, paperwork attached to it. I'm surprised that Apple is doing all that bullshit. Bullshit. I guess they think it's, like, a good PR stunt. Yeah, exactly. It's all just branding, dude. It's like, we're responsible and stuff. We care about you. No, you don't. Did you see Reddit? Um, Oh, man. Touching on that point. So, again, I don't really want to weigh in on any uh, political or, or other discussions. But two things. So... To anyone who's not aware, uh, I spend, when I'm not chatting with Hayden and binging on media, a significant amount of my time, like, developing shit. So I code a lot. And this platform that I use to, like, host all of my code, um, called GitHub, is addressing the Black Lives Matter movement. So basically, when, when uh, when you're coding and you want to, like save something to like a you know to the main copy of it you save it to the master like the master document you know? yeah and when you're recording a song i'd imagine you'd have like the master copy right yeah of course yeah okay so github's response to the black lives matter movement um oh was... to rename the master yeah to rename oh. the master because of the connotations attached is there Fuck any me, more limp dicked effort to fucking address racism and like anything like dude anything other than fucking putting money into black communities eh? you know what i mean like yeah anything yeah, to yeah. avoid the class discussion yeah any it's, possible it's like, cost save yourself the the one hour meeting that your company spent to make that decision and just like donate a thousand dollars to a local <laughs> charity or even a thousand or whatever even a thousand bucks but it's like no nah, no nah. like can you yeah. imagine all these like loser fucking rich motherfuckers sitting in a boardroom being like well, what do we do yeah yeah what can we possibly do well let's throw them across quickly because people might think that master means master and slave which is like how would you fucking even get there you know yeah you'd have to be one pissed off uh fucking i don't know you know you have to be a very sensitive person to, to make that jump. And creative. You'd have to be very creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Oh, well, um, Reddit, 
Like they changed sure their logo done. black, right? That was so lame, man. Just fucking donate money already, you know? Yeah. Like put money back in the communities that are hurting. Hire yeah, some yeah. People. <laughs> I agree, dude. Yeah. It's, stop it's... pretending you can solve it with token gestures. Like it's so much of this is class based. And yeah. yeah. And like it's all just fucking PR and branding. Hey, it's it infuriates mm. me. It's like they have media and comms people working there full time to like uh you know be astride of this sort of thing yeah. and like that's their idea you know they go to the boss and they're like hey so yeah we need to re- really respond to this story i think we should yeah change the logo and make it black like that'll be powerful <laughs> yeah and like it's At spotify they're just like just put together a playlist and chuck some black stuff on there like end yeah. up away. It's fucking like it's patronizing, man. It like belittles yeah. the pe- the users, you know. What do black people listen to? Tupac? I don't know. <laughs> Put together a playlist. Yeah, right. Fucking so hell. fucking rude. Uh, yeah, like yeah. That'll solve it. That'll keep them quiet. <sighs> Fuck, man. Fuck um, Apple. Fuck all those companies. So hard. Yeah, unless they want to give us money. Then yeah, right. Yeah. Then uh, yeah. Then they can fuck us so hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm gonna get into uh my show and tell for this week, man. Cool, man. Fire away. So um, this is a story you might have heard about in the news, but I feel like understandably it hasn't gotten uh as much sort of coverage as it might have if uh the situation in the world at the moment was slightly more normal. Yeah. Um, but the sort of story that I'm going to tell relates to um, this border conflict, which has been ongoing between China and India. Are you familiar oh, with that? Yeah, I glossed over the entire thing. Um, yeah, but yeah. I would really like you to touch on it because it will fuel my whole uh, paranoia right now that I'll touch on later. <laughs> you don't need to touch on your paranoia because I always just assume it's there. <laughs> just a, a part of your being, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, mine as well. Um, so anyway, um, the the crux of this story is that um, India and China, as many of us will already know, are the two uh, most populated countries on earth. Um, India is... Uh, a rising developing power and China is, as we know, already challenging uh, American hegemony or hegemony, however one wants to pronounce that word. How do you pronounce that word? I've literally never used it in my life. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I think I've, I've read that word like 10,000 times, but I don't, yeah. I don't know if I've ever said it out loud either. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, and like, Another like key piece of information here is that they're both nuclear armed states, um, so that makes you know the stakes a little bit higher, believe it or not. Um, I can <laughs> so um, the border that uh, they share that is contested is in this province called uh, Ladakh, which is spelt L-A-D-A-K-H. I might be pronouncing that incorrectly, but I'm doing my best. Um, so it's kind of this little corner of India, if you can imagine, wedged between um, like Nepal, India, China, and Pakistan. Uh, so it's got a sort of intersection between those four countries, um, and it's colloquially colloquially known as Little Tibet um, because it's a part of India that's 
predominantly Buddhist. Um, and also, like, geographically, it's very similar to Tibet because it's uh, a part of the Himalayas and it's just absolutely beautiful, sparsely populated um, and kind of desolate, but in the nicest way you can imagine. <laughs> it's just, yeah. like, clear running rivers coming straight out of the mountains, um, fields where, you know, shepherds uh, tend goats and it looks really stunning. That um, sounds awesome yeah right gorgeous um and basically like many modern problems the source of this issue really comes from colonialism um because in 1914 um which seems unusual to me because the british at this time would have been pretty busy with something called world war one but um yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) they uh negotiated a treaty or attempted to negotiate a treaty with china to determine the borders between um, India and China uh, and also to uh, determine the sort of status of Tibet. Um, this because... is because... Oh, sorry to interject. That's this okay. is because India was a colony of Britain. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, massively yeah. so. So um, um, Britain suggested that, you know, we'll settle the border here um, and... Tibet will be an autonomous region of China, but is a part of the Chinese state, sort of the way that Hong Kong is now, I suppose. Um, And China uh, rejected that um, proposal because they said that Tibet can never be autonomous because it's a part of China. Um, So despite that falling apart, Britain signed a separate treaty with Tibet anyway, which did establish the same border that we have now between India and Tibet as a region of China. So um, essentially this treaty was signed that formalized the Indian and Chinese border without Chinese consent, but it was kind of just imposed upon them. Um, So later on when India won their independence from Britain in the late 40s, um, there was almost immediately contention over the status of the border um, because India was suddenly a vulnerable country compared to um, China and they, you know, had a lot less protection from Britain than they would have previously as a colony. Um, so China made the claim that because Tibet was never an autonomous state or it was never an independent country, the treaty that they made with Britain determining their border was null and void and illegitimate because uh, non-states can't sign formal treaties under international law. Yeah. Um, so the first conflict between India and China um, started in 1962 when China uh, invaded to try and um, re-establish a border that they thought was more suitable. <laughs> yeah. um, funny yeah. that ha- funny how that happens. Um, and so it uh, resulted in nearly 2,000 Indian deaths and 3,000 Indian troops were taken prisoner. Um, the official death count for Chinese troops is um, disputed and largely sort of unknown. Um, so because even back then, China and India were massive states, so the idea of an all-out war was too much to sort of swallow. So a truce was agreed upon, but no official border was determined. Um, so they were left with what's called and it's still referred to as this day, a line of actual control. Um, so it's a, essentially the area where troops have occupied up and up until. Yeah. Um, and uh, even now, 
there's an agreement that states that no soldiers deployed to the area should um, should fire their weapons in order to prevent the rapid escalation of conflict. Um, so the line of actual control sees Chinese troops essentially occupying what Britain determined 50 years prior to this was India's territory, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah. And it starts this weird sort of pseudo war where both sides start building infrastructure in the area and just kind of being present in order to just like mind trick the other side into thinking that they claim it, even though they kind of don't. That's so Weird. Yeah, what weird human behavior. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like yeah. you know, pissing on trees, essentially. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just like I'm doing things here; it's mine, but it doesn't yeah. actually mean anything. <laughs> um, so, about five years later, in 1967, India uh, responded to the previous Chinese invasion by going on the offensive this time, and they pushed China back from the previously established actual line of control but not all the way back to the original border, yep. creating a second actual line of control. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. now there's the official border, the Chinese-established line of control, and the Indian-established line of control, meaning that between the two lines of control now, there's essentially like a no-man's land um, where both armies feel as though they have the right to free movement and to carry out operations there. Um, so it means that since 1967, the Chinese and Indian armies have kind of just like uh, uncomfortably uh, occupied the space simultaneously. Um, and they largely have allowed each other free movement and haven't caused escalations. But it's just this super awkward cohabitation, like with a, a drug addict fucking flatmate you try and kick out. <laughs> and it's just like... Yeah. They're not paying rent, but they won't leave either. And it's like, well, like I could be violent towards this person or just wait it out, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, just this yeah, yeah. horrible status quo. Um, so <laughs> um, a couple of years ago, I think it was in 2017, there was a sort of low-key uh, physical clash, which was like a brawl between Chinese and Indian troops. Because this remember... Punch up, right? Yeah, like an yeah. Actual punch up. Um, yeah. but like large scale melees. So like more like what yeah. you would imagine to happen between like two large gangs, I suppose. So like oh, okay. you know, dozens cool. of people That's on each melee. side, kind of just using yeah. like blunt weapons or their fists. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of amounted to not much, although obviously no one was particularly stoked about it. Um, and in May again this year, um, both sides. Uh, carried out a meeting that involved hundreds of troops from each side and they were there to discuss de-escalation. So they were talks between um, high-ranking officers from the armies of both sides in the area. Um, and the uh, allegation is that the Chinese officers uh, like grievously insulted <laughs> um, India and... <laughs> Um, I wonder what said. <laughs> oh yeah, probably. I, who knows, man? Um, yeah. I'd I'd love to actually do like a deep dive into like uh, Chinese stereotypes of what they think Indians are like, and vice Dude, versa. The Chinese fucking rip on people. Yeah, you told me well. about that um, amazing Baza. word they have. <laughs> yeah, for like Baza, a, look it up. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, can you give us that definition again, just for anyone who yeah, didn't listen last time? Bazo, I, I might be pronouncing this wrong. Um, B-A-I-Z-U-O is a derogatory Chinese uh, term and political epithet used to refer to Western leftist ideologies espoused by white people. This is, so a better definition using Urban Dictionary is... Uh, it means a naive Western educated person who advocates for peace and equality only to satisfy their own feeling of moral superiority. <laughs> um, they care about topics such as immigration and minorities, LGBT and the environment while being obsessed with political correctness to the extent that they import backwards Islamic values for the sake of multiculturalism. <laughs> Fucking Drop hell. the mic, China. Fucking yeah. done. <laughs> Dude, they're definitely taking over. We say all that to say that China is fucking savage. Um, yeah. <laughs> they don't give a fuck. Um, oh, so, no. anyway, in May, this time, a much larger brawl than in 2017 broke out, involving, like, hundreds of dudes on each side again. Um, again, no one fired their weapon because, you know, that would uh, risk a uh, full-scale war again. So they just beat each other and threw rocks. Um <laughs> and oh, like a month following that um it led to like a massive troop build up on the border uh with thousands of troops and heavy equipment being moved into this valley or this um this province called Ladakh um but specifically around this area called the Galwan Valley which is a part of that province um and it's really interesting because it seems like not a lot of journalists actually go to this place. I don't know why, yeah. because India has a free press and stuff. Um, and you'd think maybe that even Chinese state media would like and would be okay with journalists going here. But it's pretty hush hush. Yeah, there are like very few photos from the area and absolutely yeah. no photos um, of the current situation there. So like um, journalists and I guess like uh, organizations have been left with just like shitty grainy satellite images of the area showing like tank units being moved in there and um, because it's, yeah. And because the infrastructure in the area is so poor and these are like mountain passes and stuff, um, even the act of moving a bulldozer into this area is considered like really inflammatory. (laughs) <laughs> because yeah, yeah. it can be like we're gonna bulldoze your structure um which yeah. is actually like a really like big deal um so obviously with this troop build up like tensions rose but they still managed to avoid a conflict until uh about a week ago when chinese and indian soldiers um encountered each other on a patrol um on this mountain pass, 14,000 feet above sea level. So picture like a, a steep, harsh sort of like Himalayan valley with a road kind of just, yeah. you know, hugging this mountain in a valley below with a river running through it. Um, yeah. And so a fight broke out and hundreds of reinforcements from each side were called in. Um, and the figure that I read and found in multiple sources was that approximately 600 dudes both sides combined um like engaged in this melee or a massive brawl without firearms but using fists rocks uh, poles uh fence posts wrapped in barbed wire sticks um anything at hand that you can attack someone with that isn't <laughs> isn't a gun essentially yeah um so 600 dudes just having a massive scrap on the side of this fucking mountain oh, dude that's 
Jeez. Yeah, exactly, man. Um, <clears throat> and badass. So, like, the official death toll, according to um, the Indian side, was 20 Indian soldiers dead with another 17 missing. Um, yeah. And they claim that they killed uh, up to 60 Chinese soldiers. Um, but the China, but China has been hush hush about it. Um, they're not releasing the number or even really covering the story all that much. Um, yeah. Indians did deal out a larger loss in China is trying to cover that up um, to protect their reputation. But it's brutal the way that this went down because the majority of deaths on the Indian side um, were due to guys just being like either thrown or losing their footing and just falling off the side of this road Holy and just fuck, like that's horrible. tumbling into the valley below. And a lot yeah. of them like uh, sustained injuries and then just fell and just like froze to death on the side of the cliff or whatever. Oh um, man, that's brutal. Or like, because this terrain is just so treacherous, it's almost impossible to carry out rescue missions there. So these yeah. guys just sort of like died overnight um, from their injuries or whatever. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just insane. Like, I don't think, yeah. um, I can't think of uh, an event in recent history where two state militaries engaged in like a hand to hand battle like this, um, you know, without the yeah. use of firearms, it's really like brutal shit. Thank fuck they're not using firearms. Thank fuck it's, I mean, hopefully it doesn't escalate. Cause that is like, that is a sizable number of people. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. dude. Um, yeah. So, like, domestically within India, this is, like, a massive deal at the moment, um, although, like, their hands are sort of tied because they're being reamed by coronaviruses for a while at the same time. Yeah. Um, but luckily for them, uh, Trump took to Twitter to mediate the dispute <laughs> uh, or to offer to mediate Fuck. the dispute, rather, um, as if yeah. he's not busy enough already. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it, the so <laughs> the situation is probably unlikely to escalate into, you know, uh, a greater war. Um, did he actually mediate it? So, wait, what did he say? Um, I will try and find the tweet right now. Holy crap. That's he, he only offered to mediate. He didn't actually do it. Yeah. Um, we have informed both India and China that the United States is ready, willing, and able to mediate or arbitrate their now raging border dispute. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, but I don't know if they are <laughs> able to mediate that because they can't even mediate riots in their own fucking streets without tear gas. So there you go. I kind of feel like at some point Trump's just going to get so <laughs> sick of like America that he's just going to become some foreign diplomat in another country somewhere. Uh, no one would want him. <laughs> Dude, did you see that fucking shit about him, like, like uh, calling fake news on those dudes that showed the video of him slipping on that ramp? Oh, uh, no. I, um, a mutual friend of ours sent me the rally uh, and told me to watch it, and I watched, like, 20 minutes of the rally, and he was made a very express point. It was weird, man. He was going on about it for ages. Yeah, right. Like, He's like, like that was a slippery ramp. Portion of time <laughs> talking about this, the like, his shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's lost the plot, bro. Like, he's oh, not up he... for mediating a fucking international conflict. 
Hey, um, maybe I'm like just... a WWE style. Yeah. 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 True. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, the the situation is like unlikely to sort of evolve into a broader conflict, but um, let's hope. Is yeah, it- both leaders are really being held to account, um, though, about this issue because neither country wants to seem as though it can um, be pressured to give up a territorial claim. You know, so it's yeah. the kind of just uh, I don't I don't know if it's pointless, but it's just trivial stubbornness which you know is, is fucking horrible terrifying man terrifying it this yeah yeah actually exactly leads it. up to what i wanted to talk about quite well um because there is a conflict of uh, almost that was equally trivial on the merits of communism and capitalism that almost led us to the brink of nuclear fucking warfare cuban um, missile crisis Nah, the cold war oh and right, like, right. And it's it's terrifying how these little spats, the fact that they occur in the first place between like nations, man. Yeah, know? this is like uh, what's that stupid show with the neighbors that hate each other? Neighbors? Like, like no, no, no. It's like <laughs> my the neighbor from hell. It's like a reality TV oh, show. Oh right, yeah. And it's like some dumbass like would put like a bunch of leaves on another dumbass's. Uh, Lawn like or whatever, born. yeah, and then turn and the then stereo it, up, yeah, and then they start flinging like actual shit at each other, and and you know calling the police and just being horrible fucking people, fucking a. And you think like, oh, that wouldn't happen as we scale, but it does, man. <laughs> like it's the same <laughs> behavior. It's so horrifying. Yeah, you know? yeah, you're right. Yeah, so it it terrifies me because essentially, okay, so for the last five days, I've been very sick. Um, and I've been watching a shitload of media and part of it is when, when I get sick, I like to sort of dive into a little depression hole. So I, I try and like get like as much nasty, horrible shit as I can watch to sort of, you know, confirm my, uh, feelings of despair. Yeah. Good strategy. <laughs> it actually makes me feel better. Eh? You know, I like, I've got like my playlist of doom jazz and my fucking like, post-apocalyptic uh cinema that i dive into and interesting enough almost all of this media comes around the 1980s i didn't realize how much the uh, threat of nuclear war was really like tied into people's conscious during that time but oh yeah big time bro yeah man yeah it, it astounds me because you you have so much post-apocalyptic art and cinema and and media in general like mood um, that captures, I guess, the the feeling of the time, which is fascinating. And then one of those things that I saw that I'm actually going to do a very poor job of explaining because I really, really want you to see it and anyone else to see it is this documentary that the BBC put out. Uh, sorry, it's a docudrama um, that they, they wanted to like highlight how horrible nuclear war would be if it broke out. Yeah. And so they made this originally, I think it was called, uh, just jumping down my notes. Um, it was, uh, I don't actually have the name of it. Um, it was meant to be called something else anyway. Um, then threads, which is what it is called. And they put off releasing the first version of it because they're afraid that it would lead to mass suicide. (laughs) 
which sounds like, oh, that's a really good tactic to, you know, launch something. But this literally made me want to kill myself, man. It's poison for the soul. Yeah, nice. This fucking movie was so hard hitting that afterwards I like wasn't, I was deeply despaired. I still am, to be honest. Like I'm still kind of like hollowed out from it. It's like a, it's an elixir of pure soul rot and mold and degradation of like everything. That's what watching this did to me. And to anyone else that watches it, you know, Maybe it'll do it to you too. Check it out. Um, can I know. just? I yeah. I clicked the link that you sent me uh, yesterday to uh, to stream this on uh, archive.org. That's cool that it's just here publicly for free. Um, yeah. And one of as you were just explaining that, I quickly skimmed over the reviews. Um, yeah. And there's this one review here by uh, Death Kids, and it's like this was horror show horrible. And I don't think many people realize how awful the sick toys our leaders play with are. Um, I did not even grasp the horrific pandemonium and lifeless dismay that such a terrible weapon good cause. Okay, that doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. Not to mention our new inventions of mini nukes that spray a bunch of tiny nukes all the hell over creating nasty <laughs> pockets of nightmares around the world as I sit back in U.S., Looking forward to my next enjoyment and entertainment. This movie made me sick in an enlightening and very aware way. The news feeds overloads of fear to the public with the us versus them brainwash. Um, but yeah, I mean, oh, bro, everyone, yeah. especially oh, in these bro. times and any other when humans wish to flirt with annihilation, must see. <laughs> that sounds like. He got super wasted after watching this and tried to type a review. That's, but I mean, that's what that kind of grasps it, man. Like it's, it's yeah. horrible. So the rumor is um, that Ronald Reagan watched this and then went out to uh, seek nuclear de-escalation with Russia. Yeah, um, right. So cool. goes the rumor. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's very much like the guy that directed it says that happened. And he has a very good source indicating it, but, you know, we'll never know. Um, anyway, so the the whole thing is this guy who's directing it, his name's Mick Jackson, I think, uh, wanted to get the most realistic depiction of what would happen if there actually was a nuclear war between Russia and, you know, the U.S. Yeah, right. Led to full-scale uh, warfare. So we spent, like, a bunch of time going around all these different politicians and everything and not politicians, consultants, scientists. Uh, Carl Sagan was a, like, consultant, I think, for it or something like that. Like, he penned uh, a paper that influenced a lot of what they talked about within it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so the story starts, and again, I'm going to try and keep this as bare of detail. I have a shitload of notes on it, but I'd rather not spoil it. Yeah, I'm actually Um, super keen to watch it. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. Um you going to watch it with Francisca? Yeah, I hope so. Oh, man, I feel bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> She's so nice. <laughs> I'll never forget the time you guys came to my to the to the family farm and watched those cows shit all over each other. I hope that didn't, like, um, you know. <laughs> I, know. I, I had actually totally forgotten about that, but I'm so glad that you uh, put that back into my uh, my mind. 
<laughs> they were really shitting on each other, like hard. The most, <laughs> like, Beauty of the, the greatest fecal exchange I've ever witnessed. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's such a testament to, like, just the brutality of nature is too yeah, right? just cows in a picturesque field just like deciding to like defecate all over each yeah other. just with like high velocity <laughs> yeah it wasn't no leak yeah. it was like oh anyway yeah anyway anyway um sweet okay so i'm gonna gloss over this this will probably be a pretty shitty so and tell but whatever um so the main thing it starts with this amazing quote uh, which is in an ur- in an urban society, everything connects. Every each person's needs are fed by the skills of many others. Our lives are woven together in a fabric, but the connections that make society strong also make it vulnerable. Um, which I feel is pretty relevant for now. And as you watch this, you'll see, like, just how scarily accurate it is um, of how it like captures catastrophe. So the story is essentially about these two people, Jimmy and Ruth. Uh, they want to get married um, because Jimmy knocked Ruth up. And Jimmy's kind of like a dipshit. Go, Jimmy. Like he, yeah, he's just like an... In, they do a good job of capturing like the average everyman um, and the average every woman, I guess, of the 1980s, but yeah. realistically still now, where Jimmy just likes sinking piss and watching sports and he like accidentally <laughs> got his girlfriend married. Uh, sorry, he's uh, pregnant, so now that he's like, oh, but get engaged then, you know, and like Ruth's just like, oh, knocked me up, he did, you know, and, and they're just like, fuck it, this is our lives now. <laughs> and it's this great kind of like lead in where you think, oh, okay, this is all going to be about like these two people as they lead their kind of like, you know, little existence in England Jimmy working as a nondescript blue collar worker of some kind. You know, it doesn't really go into detail about what he does, but he's like wears overalls and handles wood. Yeah, he just like uh, <laughs> just does the labor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's from like a working class family and, and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and Ruth is just Ruth. She's, I don't know, fulfills the 1980s working class female role. Yeah, uh, but they're good characters, man. Like you definitely empathize with the fact that these are people you've probably met within your life. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this whole thing—it's it's very masterfully done. That basically, as it wanders through this sort of like beginning drama of, you know, most films that you would have seen, where it's like, okay, this is going to set up to be some sort of, you know, discussion of uh, I don't know, working class relationships within some period of time and it's going to particularly focus on these two people you hear in the radio in the background of a lot of the shots of this um fight happening between the u.s and russia yeah but it's so well done that it's this boring bbc presenter in the background and you tune it out most of the time and it's just like this guy being like oh, escalations between russia and the u.s have happened further today Iran is both is entering into a diplomatic arrangement with Russia, who's going to be talking with the U.S. over nuclear tensions. And, it, you know, it's just like just saying words that you just kind of gloss over. Yeah, I you mean, the same way that we do now. Yeah, well, that's it. Like watching this, I was like, holy fuck, this is the exact lead up to the coronavirus catastrophe. Yeah, true. I remember it, man. Like I was wandering around and, every, you know, I pick up a 
the newspaper because who the fuck does that now? <laughs> I would like browse, you know, uh, the newspaper app or phone, whatever. Um, and, and there'd be like a article on coronavirus and then I flipped through to something else. And it, it was always this like distant, far off thing that I couldn't give a fuck about. Much like, you know, many other important news stories that are realistically happening right now. Like uh, um, India brawling with China. It's another thing where I like saw it in the headlines. I was like, eh, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So you hear this all throughout this thing where there's this like distant discussion of uh, war and some sort of trauma happening far away. And it's just like very progressively gets louder. Um, and it really does remind me, I mean, whenever you are in the lead up to catastrophe, it's just, I feel like it has the same sort of notions of, uh, you know, you, you start seeing the news and it starts, uh, it gets a little louder every sort of time you see a new story pop up, like, Oh shit, that coronavirus is now in the U S Oh fuck. You know, look, it's over here now. Yeah. Oh, shit, oh. Like, and you can't possibly conceive that it might change your life forever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it You're might right. completely upend the way that it works. But there's always this moment, I remember it from the Chrysler earthquakes and from coronavirus, and I can't think of any other catastrophes I've been in, but uh, just this moment where you recognize that like the world is like, or your world at least is always going to, you know, changed forever. And it's the moment that it like becomes real. Mm. Um, anyway, I literally don't think I can touch on much more <laughs> without giving it away. Yeah, no, that's um, okay. But yeah, I'll loosely touch on some other things. So, ba- so basically, like, that's an essential theme within it. And then it goes on to talk about, you know, like the fallout and uh, essentially what we're going to be having to deal with with nuclear warfare, which we all know is a bad thing. But I don't think any of us really take the time to contemplate or visualize because it's like numbers. You know, you always hear like, oh, millions would die. But what does that fucking mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Millions die in all these nameless catastrophes throughout the ages that have literally no impact on us because we don't understand them and what they mean. It's like when I watched 12 Years a Slave, I've always known of the horrors of slavery, but I feel like that movie in particular was one of those masterful pieces of art that really threw in your face like, oh, this is what it's like, you know? Um, and brings the suffering sort of in like right in front of you, which is the same thing that this thing, like this entire movie does is just really frames how awful this possibly could be. And in a very real way beyond sort of like numbers and, you know, threats of weird terms that none of us really understand, like nuclear winter and, uh, you know, back to the medieval ages and the third the fourth world war will be fought with sticks and stones like Mm. none of us really understand what those concepts are yeah it's actually really interesting come to think of it like it seems like something that's really obvious and that we should have thought about before but there are actually are there any other movies that address like the result of a nuclear apocalypse? I mean, there probably are, right? But they're not <laughs> In a campy popular. way, like Mad Max, um, but that glorifies it in a sense. Like the Mad Max universe looks like something that we'd like to live in. You know, well, 
personally, when I watch it, I'm like, ah, I'd feel right in the Mad Max universe. You know, I'd probably be immortal in Joe or or some sort of like <laughs> um, bodybuilder clad in BDSM gear, and and I'd yeah, have my, yeah. like you know my my legions of uh, bogan followers. I like to think that, but obviously that's not what it would be like. Um, so I actually went on a bit of a mission after this because I wasn't, well, I was very depressed, but like, you know, I wanted to dive deeper. This isn't something that I felt satisfied with just sort of leaving. So I went and watched a shitload of, uh, Eastern European, um, like apocalypse cinema. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so there's one called like OBO bar, uh, which was fantastic and it, and it sort of dives in the same way but it's, it doesn't capture the horror man like threads is real like it's a real thing and it's like oh that would actually fucking happen you know and you very much get the sense that this is the reality that we would face um if nuclear war broke out yeah there's um... the other cinema like obio bar which is about uh this is a 1985 movie i think or or you know basically the same time period um and it's about, you know, nuclear warfare is hit and everyone's forced to live in like a underground shelter. Um, and life is like miserable and bleak, but it also has some sort of, I don't know, some sort of sense of comfort within it and within the way that it's portrayed because of uh, like the relationships and the fact that like language hasn't broken down completely and people live in this underground shelter and there's, you know, food to some degree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not, I don't think it's uh, the problem with cinema and film is that I feel like it, it's always an expression of what's happening during the time period. Um, but it's also, you know, dripping with our own fantasies and everything. So it's, it's never going to be like a, like a raw, real representation, you know, like, like if you contrast 12 years of slave with Django Unchained, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, one's like a revenge fantasy, and the other is like a more real depiction of what what it might have been like. Man, how good was Twelve Years a Slave? <laughs> oh fuck, it was good. Eh? It was insanely yeah. powerful, dude. Yeah, yeah, like nothing else really hits me about it. You know, it's just it's again, it's kind of like fantastical works of of fiction and and like stories of valor and and heroism, but not showing just the brutality of it yeah you know which is often not done man like i feel like in art and cinema um people kind of avoid i mean it doesn't sell you're not going to get tickets like a, yeah yeah exactly right Thread like, certainly didn't come close to avengers endgame but most um, people just don't want that right Ah, uh, yeah i think they should show this fucking movie to every single um like you know person at a young age like this is the sort of work that you know changes minds, but yeah, a lot of people don't want it. Who who the fuck wants to come home after slaving away and be reminded of nuclear catastrophe? You know what we should do for the next episode? Instead yeah. of our quick hits, we should do a um a list of both of our top five movies that children should have to watch at school. Oh, that's such a good idea. Yeah. Oh, I'm real keen. Eh? Um, Maybe we'll make it like, or that everyone should have to watch by the time they're 16. Yeah. Yeah. The essential parenting 
First step. <laughs> yeah. Would you put Requiem for a Dream on there? I would actually, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, would you? Um, yeah, I feel like that movie definitely warded me. I don't think I've ever really been a danger of succumbing to like, you know, drug addiction. Mm. But if I ever was, then that might have put me off. Yeah. I guess. You know. Um I guess it's important <laughs> to know that you can really probably irreversibly fuck your life up. And in multiple ways as well. You know, Requiem for a Dream is obviously like really known as being a heroin movie, but there's a lot else going on. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um anyway, yeah, like let's definitely do that. I um just put it in my notes for next week. So Sick. Yeah. Anyway, that's like the shortest show and tell I could do. Um I literally have like fucking tons of notes on this movie. Uh well, yeah, so it was we'll... just like whoa holy shit but it'd be better to leave it and then we can discuss it yeah absolutely um without giving away large amounts of the plot yeah no i'm keen there's a lot to take on board <laughs> the entire <laughs> thing i'm excited to watch it man i i like uh google image this while you were talking about it and checked out some like you know screenshots from it and stuff it looks what good what did you see what are the screenshots uh just a lot of sadness <laughs> <laughs> Um, there were like, I think I saw screenshots of the two main characters just like looking dirty and poor. Um, some people stuck behind a barbed wire fence. Um, a lot of dust. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sick, sick. That sounds good. I, yeah, I, I definitely think that putting together a list would be fucking awesome. Um, there's a couple of movies that I'm just thinking of now that are like, it's just so essential to like being and understanding reality. Yeah. Yeah. I and completely agree. Yeah. They should be taught in schools, man. Like c- cinema is such a fantastic art form, you know, yeah. in terms of like, I, I think it can go so far beyond like just base facts, you know, like, Oh, 6 million do- Jews died in, in the Holocaust. Like that doesn't oh. really tell me anything. God, you just yeah. you just referred to another film that has to be on list, man. You know, like how could Schindler's List not be on there? Fuck, bro, I haven't even seen it. Oh, are you serious? Fuck. Yeah, okay, yeah. well, I'll yeah. watch Threads and you watch Schindler's List, man. All right. If you want to cap off your uh, your run of depressing cinema, then there you <laughs> yeah. go. I've got one more movie in me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll make it Schindler's List. Yeah. Um, I saw Rosemary's Baby as well during my media spree. Uh, and a bunch of Roman Polanski shit. Yeah, okay. Um, I haven't haven't seen it. Oh, uh, also highly recommend. It was like a meant to be quite a groundbreaking movie for like women's liberation. I don't see it. It's about like satanic cults and, and stuff. So, you know, the source material is all good. Yeah, okay, I see. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, should we move on to quick hits? Quick hits. Yeah, man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, where are we? Well, yeah, and the first one in our quick hits is a uh, TV series, movies, but uh, you've you've clearly recommended one. Here. Well, yeah, that's the recommendation <laughs> is Threads. Um, yeah, yeah. But I've I've honestly I've just been so hard on movies. Uh, trying to think, you go, man. I I can't think of anything right now. My brain's dying. Well. Um, <laughs> At Francisco's recommendation, we watched uh, this documentary on Netflix called 13th. Um, oh, yeah. 
which is about the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, i.e. the abolition of slavery, except for um, criminals. So basically, the amendment says that, you know, no one can be held as a slave unless they um, are in the custody of the state or whatever. Um, So this doco is from, I think, 2015. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, Yeah, yeah. So So like... 2016... There you go. October. Um, so well, it's got Newt Gingrich in it. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> Bring him back. Yeah. I want my moon base. So, um, <laughs> sorry, man. It, no, no, don't be sorry. Um, so it talks about um, essentially the prison industrial complex um, and you know how that ties into issues of systemic racism, um, which is uh, optimal viewing for our current context if you want to further depress yourself or further educate yourself um yeah i would obviously we have a private prison system here and you mentioned serico who's running our private prisons is running your refugee camps yeah serco i think it is serco yeah yeah yeah. for everyone in oz new zealand exactly so um yeah like obviously this doco predates um the current uh context in terms of I suppose the peak of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I mean, it's always existed, you know. But uh, so yeah, in light of what has happened in the last month, I think it's super interesting, um, and you know, pretty cool. grim. But it, it's really good, uh, really um, informative. What is Newt Gingrich's role in this movie? Uh, so he's talking about um, re- Republican policy. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly. Um, because he was a Republican candidate, right? Yeah, man, he was running for president. Uh, he yeah, was running yeah. In, before we were gifted uh, the absolute fucking shit show reality TV show of Trump Hillary. He yeah. was running in the great Mitt Romney, Newt Gingrich, and then Herman Cain. I don't know if you remember Herman Cain, but he was another fucking absolute, like, where'd you get that guy from? <laughs> you know? Yeah, he, right. He ran some pizza joint or something like that, uh, and then he did. I don't know how well he did, but yeah, he was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, 2012 presidential nominee for the um, or sorry, candidate for the presidential nomination of the Republican Party. Um, but yeah, so he's there um, just talking about his views on um, essentially like I guess corrections policies. Um, yeah. So they because they try and um, offer the stage to some you know people on both sides of the political spectrum. Um, although when I say two sides, it's more like centre right people and then like hard left. Um, yeah, but that's yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, it's still good. I think the the doco probably could have done a little bit better at trying to be objective in terms of um, offering more runtime for you know people on the right to try and maybe justify these policies a little bit more but yeah anyway so yeah that's that's what i've been watching um sweet do you want to recommend another or you reckon you can uh do your film recommendations for africa all right give us one i'm not filmed out um gecka obo bar uh and stalker by oh, what's his name? Tyrone How is O B O Bar spelt? Uh, just O 
B I V A. So it's Polish. Um, and if you haven't dived into Polish cinema, you're you're missing out on some bleak shit. <laughs> it's like I don't, I don't think I've seen such like grainy use of color. Like it's all dark. Like it's just misery green. Like if you think of like the green that makes you feel sick and gross and generally like depressed. Yeah, very matrixy. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just shot in this gross green and like all the actors are they're fucking amazing, man. They're really good. But it's very bleak and I don't know. You you get a sense for that like Eastern European bluntness and like general like depression core that they yeah, like, yeah. seem to have innately. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, no, that movie was fucking awesome. Stalker is like a brilliant, absolutely brilliant piece of cinema, but it's loosely, it's definitely post-apocalyptic as well. It's Russian. I think it's actually like a 70s, like late 70s, or it might be 80s, I don't know. It's around general 80s time period, though. Ooh, yeah. Um, it looks good. <laughs> Stalker's brilliant, man. Stalker's one of the finest movies I've seen. I've actually, I didn't really spend any time talking about it because it's like, wasn't in line with my depression core theme that I really wanted to like dive into, but it's also like fantastic. You know, it's. Oh, he directed up. Solaris. Yeah. The same guy, Andre Tarkovsky. Yeah. Beautiful. See, I watched like the start of Solaris once um, and yeah. I wanted to keep going, but for some reason I, I stopped. I need to watch it. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Check it out. Yeah. This guy's movies in general just seem super cool. It's essential art ho stuff. So if you want to be an art ho like me, then uh... yeah, so you can uh, <laughs> hang out at Real Groovy and wax lyrical. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly why I do it. Have you guys got the latest copy of Stalker? Do you guys um, have the soundtrack for Solaris on vinyl? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's that's it to the core. Um, you reading anything at the moment? I'm not, sadly, dude. Um, still finishing off fucking Understanding Power by Noam Chomsky. I've been slow on the reading lately. Chomsky's um, hard to read, though. Eh? Like, he's not very... Uh, like, it, it doesn't, like, pull you out, I feel. Like, like it's, like, mm, work to be studied. I kind of disagree, to be honest. I okay. find it pretty, like immersive if that makes sense like when i start yeah. reading i could probably sit down and just punch through a lot of it in two hours um, okay. but i've just been bad at making reading time for myself lately um yeah. so yeah no excuses i guess i've just been busy with other shit um fair enough but that's all right um, lay about like me uh... <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> what have you been reading uh frankenstein man so oh, we're chatting about it before yeah but so basically I found this app um, and this is not an endorsement, uh, but it is an endorsement. It's just not <laughs> one that I'm going to get paid for. Um, not yet. Not yet. But there's this app called LibriVox and it has cool. free audiobooks on it. So fuck yeah. Fucking dive into it. And, but it's like all works within the public domain. So you essentially get like, you know, you can have anything that's from, pre 1900s <laughs> yeah basically yeah which is so sick man it's all the fun. most fun stuff but you're yeah, right yeah. Dude. like you know i really want to read the count of monte cristo oh yeah um, i've heard that's really good 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. I've heard it's like the first modern novel, if that makes sense. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think it was from written in like the 17th century or some shit. Um, it's but it's like yeah. a thriller, if that makes sense. It's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, um, I'm blown away by how good these works are. So I read Ken Dick. Well, I didn't read, I listened, but fuck anyone who wants to make that a point of difference. Um, I listened to Candide uh, last week or the week before or something like that by Voltaire. Uh, yeah, is, right. You said that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And then I was kind of like, you know, again in a really dark mood, uh, but I've burned through most of Lovecraft's work. Mm. So there wasn't really much for me to do there. Um, and I honestly had never really had an interest in Frankenstein, but it is totally one of the best books I've read ever. Yeah, it's, it's really it's fucking um, amazing. Surprisingly fast-paced, right? Yeah, but it's beautiful, beautiful philosophy all yeah, throughout yeah. it. Like the monologue of the monster, who's actually not called Frankenstein, um, which is interesting to learn. Like Frankenstein's the creator. The creator's name is Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, and the monster is just like nameless, you know? Yeah. Um, when I was maybe like 20, I had this collection of books that was like, I can't even remember what the like classification for this collection was, but it was just like a bunch of old classics, which was dope. Yeah. Um, so I had like Treasure Island, The Time Machine, Frankenstein, um, and yeah, just a, a couple of others that were like all solid, you know, Treasure Island yeah. is a sick book. Um, I, I mean, I vaguely remember it. I think I've read it there, but I can't. I can't even remember if it's actually like a child's novel or not. But I enjoyed it, so there yeah, you go. Yeah. Um, new so, music. Um, Beast Wars. <laughs> Beast Wars. Oh, okay, right. I get it. Not the show. Um, <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, if you're into doom metal, check out Beast Wars. They're Fucking epic, man. Uh, they're like a New Zealand band. True. And I already put off because I thought they were like eight foot sativa. Yeah, right. And that has the reputation of, you know, I don't know, just not something that I'm interested in. The other end of the BZP spectrum. Yeah, it's just that the side where it's like a roll the dice, you know, like um, you don't know whether it's going to, what what's in the little, little pill that the... Uh, woman with pink hair yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is handing over to you um yeah i don't know i'm not a big fan of that kind of there, there's like it might surprise some people who aren't well versed on the uh, intricacies of of sludge and doom metal but um there's like screamo shit and just kind of like senseless noise and uh other music and I like the other stuff. Beast Wars is good. I think it's like a Maori dude who sings, and his voice is just fucking amazing. It's like the sort of voice you'd imagine someone screaming as you like run into the battlefield, you know. And their artwork is fucking awesome. It's all like falling empires and songs about like Rome and fighting and and you know and all that sort of stuff. These dudes are old too, man. Oh, dude, they're fucking old ass. Yeah, yeah. checking them out now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, yeah. I was real impressed to find them, like, 
you know, they look just like haggard motherfuckers as well. Oh man, the lead singer has cancer. Yeah, man. Yeah, he did a whole whole thing about it. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, it's really sad. Oh well, maybe uh, maybe pulls through. Yeah, I think he's better now. They they like started touring again, so the band broke up and then they got back together. Um, yeah, uh, that's good. Yeah, and aside from that, I listened to Ambient Drone. Check it out. I've never listened to Ambient Drone before. Um, you might what, like it. What's the entryway to Ambient Drone? I will throw some stuff on the subreddit. So also, PSA, we have a subreddit. Go check out Reddit. Yes. Yeah, yeah. R slash modern underscore guilt. <laughs> you did well, man. Thanks. Um, um, I'll, we'll put a segment at the start as well. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. There you go. Was I say? Oh, ambient drone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a whole, it's a whole fucking thing. It's like probably the thing I listen to the most is just these like uh, um, ethereal noises and slow droning sounds. Uh, Beautiful. But it's, it's, it's a lot fucking more lit than that. Yeah, I'll send <laughs> it to you, man. If you can tell me what to think. Fuck, <laughs> what are you listening sounds, to? Sounds bro? like a plan. Um, my artist to shout out is uh, Lord Echo who's like a uh, uh, English hip-hop artist um, who sort of reminds me of, like, I guess, like, the UK's answer to Earl Sweatshirt. Oh, um, yeah. Sick. That's a yeah, good endorsement. Pretty, like, sweatshirt. Yeah. Pretty, like, drugged-out production and just sort of just, like, slow, wonky beats. Um, and, yeah, like, some pretty, like, I guess, dark, introspective lyricism, um, like a lot of uh, kind of psychedelic vibes. So, um, yeah, Lord Echo. You have completely sold me on that. I will also uh, link Lord Echo in the subreddit. Oh, I fiend on fucking Earl, man. Like, oh, he's so dope. I listen to his album every day for a year, bro. Which which album? Yeah, like all of them. Yeah. <laughs> like fucking yeah. every one. Like yeah, I yeah. seriously fiended on it. Like I self-titled. Was that his first album? Was it self-titled? Can't I can't remember. remember off the top of my head, but probably. Yeah, I, I'm too brain dead right now to like recall his album names, but I listen. I fucking love them so much. Yeah. You know. Well, I think his sort of like opus is "I don't like shit, I don't go outside." Like that's. Yeah. I think his when he like really made his signature album. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the album that he was put on this world to make, I reckon. <laughs> oh fuck yeah. Yeah. I hope he's keep he keeps producing music, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he will. Yeah. Um we can only hope. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you hate? Um uh, being sick. I'm fucking over it. It sucks. I'm so sick of this shit. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm say like, no more. I have like a death rattle in my lungs, you know, like I'm congested. I look mm. like shit. I look like I'm aged. Like I look like one of those motherfuckers uh, that I saw at the pub. Like I should be betting on dogs right now. Oh, it's <laughs> brutal, man. <laughs> it's not too late for you to place a bet today, man. You can... Uh... Oh, and media. Uh, yeah, true. Well, I'm going to do that on my mosey on back to the main town, but... Um, I hate stuff.co.nz, man. I fucking hate them. They can I, burn in hell. Yeah. 
they, I saw a lot yeah. of criticism of them recently, actually. Yeah, well, they have... They're trying to stir up, like, Black Lives Matter shit in New Zealand, man. Um, right. And I'm not saying that we don't have our problems with, like, you know, systemic racism. We do, but it's, like, different. And don't make it about the Black Lives Matter movement, which is a separate issue. So there is this guy that uh, was tagging up a wall in, like, Hamilton. And allegedly was resisting arrest and you don't see allegedly the cops are saying that he was like very aggressive and attacking them and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but there's this person that like was sharing a video on Twitter of the cops just like holding this dude down while they're all trying to like get up at the cop's face and shit and be like, hey, do nothing. Blah, 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 blah. It's just like, Oh, what the fuck are you guys doing, man? This is ridiculous. And so the person that recorded the video uh, for whatever reason, said that like they're not going to release the full video, and I, I don't know why you would even say that what you released was the full video because mm. you completely discredited yourself in like a couple couple words. Yeah, like that's not re- not a red flag at all. Yeah, so stuff is trying to drive division right now by like commenting on this fucking video that would have been an otherwise who cares you know like yeah moment by bringing in these uh they did this article on like two criminologists uh and they were like two criminologists just can't agree on what happened you know over this video and it's like (laughs) i was like okay you got me i'll read the fucking article and i read through it and it's like one guy is like it sounds like someone's trying to cash in on the black lives matter movement and this might turn into a, a Me Too, everybody wants to be a victim thing. And then the second criminologist was like, oh, there's not enough context to know what's happening. Uh, maybe they should be a little more sensitive, but, you know, about the issue, but who, who's to know? Because we don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, right. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> fuck you guys so hard. Uh, there's a special place in hell for them. Stuff was sold for a dollar, bro. Media's was it really? And it can't happen soon enough. Yeah. Shit, I didn't realize that. All the only story I saw was about like the takeover from that journalist, um, but not the fact that it was sold for a dollar. So there you go. Yeah. Um, I, I have a little gripe to make about the media too, actually. Sick. Um, like in Australia, there was this huge effort in the mainstream media to disparage uh, people participating in Black Lives Matter protests. Um, because of the apparent risk of coronavirus. Um, So, like, in New South Wales and Victoria, I can understand some concern because, you know, there is still uh, a lot of active cases and community transmission and stuff. Um, But, you know, all the other states are relatively safe, as far as I'm aware, um, or from my perspective at least. And anyway, so, like, as you can imagine, all the... Um, conservative politicians and stuff were trying to tell everyone to stay home, don't protest, blah, blah, blah. And it's a pretty divisive thing. People can have their opinion, whatever. Um, But, you know, in Melbourne, I think a crowd of up to 60,000 people gathered. Um, In Brisbane, it was about 30,000. New South Wales, I'm not sure, but I'm sure it's in the same ballpark, maybe, you know, between 30 to 60,000. And in other cities across Australia, uh, thousands of people gathered. Um, And then even... In the week following, there was just media outrage um, 
and you know everyone had an opinion um <laughs> social media was in flames yeah. about it um and now you know over two weeks onwards um there has been one case nationally which uh is possibly connected to someone who attended one of the rallies in Melbourne um oh wow yeah I'm not not the this fucking tsunami of cases that people were predicting yeah. but like the mainstream media is silent you know um oh. and i i read a headline it's like 12 new cases overnight in Melbourne, including one connected to Black Lives Matter rally. And it's just like, okay, like, why could you not say, like, um, 12 new cases in Melbourne overnight, including 11 not connected to the Black Lives Matter yeah. rally? Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. Anyway, so fuck They're them. such dogs, man. I yeah, they them, are man. fucking like, dogs. Yeah, the, they fuck the media. They can't die soon enough. And then yeah. podcasters can inherit the earth. <laughs> yeah, fuck them. And fuck anyone who lends themselves to mainstream media for money as well, including Cam. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we love you, Cam. You're a work one. Um, we have a friend uh, named Cam who uh, <laughs> he works for the Daily Mail, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he knows we love him oh um, man that's funny as shit yeah <laughs> we love you man um, <laughs> um what was i gonna say um my thing that i hate um well i basically it, i that's not what i was gonna do but i did it so i'm yeah. not gonna do two um okay sweet because i don't want to perpetuate the hateful hateful fire within me you know Oh, I did two. You um, can do two if you want. No, but... no, no, no. I'm going to do one. Okay, we'll move well, on. Um, grifter yeah. of the week. Grifter of the week. Um, oh, fuck. I actually had something for this. I swear to God I say this every single week. I didn't write it down, though. You go, you go ahead, because I, <laughs> I need to recollect. Yeah, well, um, this one was a recommendation from Francisca because I was saying to her like man I feel like I had a thought about my grifter of the week and now I can't remember it and then she was like what about that douchebag on 60 minutes <laughs> and I was like yeah great that's a wicked idea so like who's that <laughs> oh man so but more broadly I'm just going to say 60 minutes and channel nine in general um because like yeah. we had like a weird sort of like hour-long 60 minutes binge on YouTube um, oh, yeah. <laughs> like i've never watched 60 minutes before for years you know probably like last time minutes. i watched it was probably five years ago or something yeah um and there was this one story advertised on a billboard that was just like the dark underbelly of australian politics or something like what we reveal will shock you and i was like i wonder what that is you know i'm not curious because i believe them but I'm just yeah. curious because I want to know what they're fucking selling, you know, yeah. um, what the what sort of snake oil they're peddling. Um, so yeah, we just watched 60 Minutes, man, and like the uh, the hollowness of that as a program and as a product is yeah. just so distressing, man. And like, <laughs> there was this one particular journo on there who was interviewing someone 
And every time the dude responded to one of his questions, the guy just looked like terrified to be doing the job he was doing. And he just had this look on his face like he was a fucking dare in headlights. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, my God, I'm interviewing someone. He's responded. <laughs> um, just like struggling his way through the whole thing, asking the worst questions. And, yeah, just the quality of that show is so poor. Um, it's such was, a shame. Because do you yeah. know there used to be titans of media? Like Yeah, yeah. Mike um, Wallace interviewing... I can't remember who he interviewed, but Mike Wallace himself was he was a fucking legend, man. Yeah, I um sixty minutes did used to be pretty cool. But um I mean maybe even I don't even know how it works exactly. I guess, is it franchised out from in different countries? Oh god. Because like Is it? I don't know. Oh, because god. they have like Australian hosts in Australia. Yeah. Uh, rather than like the American version. And I'm pretty sure uh, there's a Kiwi version, right? Yeah, man. If it's yeah. a franchise model, that is the most depressing fucking thing. I don't know quite how it works. Like but... Mexican media? Mexican media. Or like <laughs> yeah, 60 here's, minute pop ups. Here's the universal cheeseburger recipe for how to make a <laughs> shitty interview. Yeah. 60 yeah. minutes from the Sunshine Coast. It'll cost you a dollar to make, but somehow people like it yeah holy shit so yeah That's fuck so 60 minutes they're a bunch of cool. cryptids man um they are it's such a shame to see the death of them as well like they used to be so good and now they're so fucking terrible i remembered who my grifter of the week was um okay so reddit's all up in flames uh they always are but like especially so and i I don't know, maybe that's the wrong thing to say. There's a bunch of hate on Reddit at the moment for this guy who's a total fucking grifter who's making this movie called Cracker. So it's about a white supremacist <laughs> that gets uh, sent back in time uh, where African-Americans rule and whites are enslaved. And the trailer is essentially like just what you'd kind of expect from like like the most low tier production company trying to cash in on race riots which is so out of taste and so i don't have to say why that i shouldn't have to say why that's offensive right now uh, but it is you know and it's like the trailer man is this fucking white supremacist who gets sent back in time and then African-Americans are like the slave masters and the whites are the slaves. And there's these like black guys who are just raping white women and beating the shit out of white dudes. So, right. <laughs> this fucking guy who I think is a white dude, Dale Restagini or some shit. He was like a music video director is cashing the fuck in on race riots. And, like, no one would know this guy otherwise other than the fact that he's made this horrendous, like, you know, movie uh, trying to, like, fetishize people's hatred right now. And wow. If, yeah. I'm, I'm on a post right now, um, which I'm assuming links to the trailer for this. And the top comment which I'm guessing might be a quote 
Yeah. <laughs> Says, you raped our daughters. What if we raped yours? Oh, that is a quote, yeah, from the trailer. There you go. Yeah. But this guy's fucking white as shit. So, you know. And he kind of looks yeah. like just a sleazy uh, music video producer, which by the looks of his IMDb is exactly what he is. So here's my grifter of the week. This dude is so shameless in the pursuit of money. You know. Yeah, so that's shameless. whack. Yeah. Also, like, super weird that he's directed heaps of rap videos. I'm looking at them now. Yeah, I don't think I've, you know, if you ever wanted to know, like, I don't know. The the dude's very clearly um, got a thing going on right now. <laughs> I'm willing to bet. You know, if he doesn't have a Black.com membership, then I, <laughs> I fucking will... I will eat my lunch, eat my shorts, eat my shoe. I will eat my shoe. Um, I sent you a photo of what he looks like. He's not cool. the guy on the left. Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Guy's such a fucking weasel. He's wearing a fedora. Yeah. So, so for those who can't see the image, obviously, which is everybody, Damon just sent me an image with. One white guy and one black person, and the black guy is the guy on the left, who Dale Restigini yeah. is not. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dale is a white dude in a fedora. Um, yeah. So there you go. Anyway. Directing a movie about black men enslaving white people. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's Rick. us, man. Yeah, man. That's it. I fucking sign out on that. Yeah. Um, by the yeah. time we edit this down a little bit, I think it'll be shorter than previous episodes, but that's what we said we were going to do since we're both feeling like ass. Cool. Um, yeah, once again, um, if anyone is on Reddit, jump on r slash modern underscore guilt, our subreddit, because we're trying to build up like a bit of a community of, I guess, like-minded people or people who just are interested in some of this shit. Or if you just want to shit first. Yeah, yeah, to talk about whatever you can, like, you know, call us out, respond to whatever we've been saying. If you disagree or if you dig it, then that's cool. Uh, you can start discussions of your own. You could suggest some topics for us to talk about because, like, we very much want to try and build this into, like, a sort of interactive project, I suppose, to just, like, you know, foster communication between everybody. Absolutely. Um, one, like one day down the line, that's our goal. So um, otherwise, if you want to kick it old school and still get in touch with us, you can email modernguiltpod at gmail.com, spelt how you should spell it. I'm not going to spell it. Um, you should just know how to spell that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I think we should sign out. All right. Peace. Peace, Obi.